Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're going to show you a few slides. Now, these slides are graphic. They're not gross, because you were there, but they are graphic, so I'm just going to warn you of that. All right, so here we go. Just want to give you a little warning of that. So, this is a baby here, a family of nine. Um, She was pregnant and had a miscarriage, and the baby is 14 weeks. Right now, she delivered the baby, and they are holding the baby. There's the little hand. The baby weighed less than one ounce. Less than one ounce. And this is very important as we're going into elections. It's very important for you to do your research and who is willing to kill babies up until the day of birth. And in some states, even after birth, your elected officials and who is willing to fight for those who don't have a voice. And so the next slide. I know that's hard to read, but it says, a Baby Sutherland, it's a boy, uh, born on 4-23-18 at 2.02 p.m., 26 grams, length 4 inches long. 4 inches long. Next slide. Look at those wedding rings. So when people say, well, it's just a bunch of mucus... You need to be aware it's not a bunch of mucus. Matter of fact, the heart starts to beat roughly at 21 days. That's three weeks. This baby here is 14 weeks. 14 weeks. And the next slide, I think, is the last slide. And look at the baby. That's a a real live human being. Well, unfortunately. In heaven right now, I believe that God takes every child uh, before the age of accountability to heaven. And so that baby is being held in the palms of dad's hands right there. And so let's look at, if you'd like to, why don't you just listen, because I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. And uh, yeah, let's just, we'll just leave that up. I'm going to read Psalm 139 out of the New Living Translation. For the choir director, a Psalm of David, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. David lived, just to make it easy for yourself, David lived roughly 1,000 B.C., So 3,000 years ago, you know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. And as you read this psalm or read the word, but especially specifically this psalm, you want to remember the intimacy of God. As we go through our trials and tribulations, at times we can think, well, God is so far away. God doesn't know. God doesn't understand. God doesn't care. Those are all lies from the pit of hell. And you want to stay in the scriptures and keep reading the scriptures no matter what comes our way. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know that I am going to, you know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans. We're going through Jonah in junior high on Wednesday nights. I read this to the kids. When Jonah was trying to flee from Tart to Tarshish. Because Nineveh was 500 miles north and east of Israel. 
And he hated, he hated the Ninevites. And so when he was called to go, a prophet, a man who in his own letter, he wrote it about himself, he didn't sugarcoat anything about himself, uh, said, no, I'm going to flee from God's presence. And he wanted to go 2,000 miles west to Tarshish. 2,000 miles. God got his attention. Read the book. Can we flee from God? No. Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Now again, I know that's kind of hard to see, but you can go online, you can get this yourself. I encourage you to do this with your children, even younger children. I mean, it's, it's a little graphic, but it's important for them to see as there's so many in the media today promoting killing these precious little souls. Less than an ounce. The baby was less than an ounce. 14 weeks. Heart beating at 21 days. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. David, 3,000 years ago. Father, we thank you and praise you that your word has been saying for thousands of years, way before ultrasound, way before modern science, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is a fact. And we thank you for this family who decided to publish this story, and it has saved who knows how many souls and how many babies have been spared abortion from seeing these photos. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for that. And, Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those who believe abortion is acceptable. Touch their hearts. Open their eyes, Father. Use our brothers and sisters in Christ to proclaim the truth to them that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. Father, we pray for our nation as a whole as we see it imploding. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us to take a firm stand for the truth. Help us to love, to love the unbeliever. As someone loved us once time before we knew Jesus, and that was part of the process of coming to know you, somebody took the time to love us and to tell us the truth. Father, we thank you for the blessed privilege we have to live in this country. May we not waste it, But may you be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. If you're new or visiting, uh, we're moving through Corinthians at a slow pace, but we're getting there. Um, Why rush through the word of God? 
There's principles here that we need to learn. There's, it's practical, it's applicable, it's relevant, it's relatable. I encourage you to read your Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. Get into a daily reading schedule. And again, I encourage you as you fill out your, uh, as we're doing, we're your early voters, as you fill things out, if you go to the polls, just do your research before you go. You can do all your research before you go. Makes it very simple. Do your research, go onto their website, type in the name, find out where they stand on issues, and you'll know how to vote. It's pretty obvious. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. Father, we continue in our worship of you. I pray for the gift of teaching. We thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Paul transitions, if you're new to the Bible, the Bible was not written with chapter and verse. It was just one letter. So Paul was writing his letter, but he's transitioning. Therefore, therefore. So because of the things that we've been going over the last few months, therefore, he's now transitioning his thoughts. And he makes mention of promises. Notice there, therefore, having these promises, beloved, promises. What promises? Promises found within the Word of God. When we think about promises, which we often make and and we sometimes break, we need to remember that God made literally thousands of promises in the Word of God to His kids. Literally thousands of promises. If you go in there and Google that, you're going to come up with different numbers. So I'm just going to say thousands of promises, because that's what it is. It's thousands. Some will say 3,500, some will say 3,000. Okay, it doesn't matter. Thousands of promises in the Word of God. We find them throughout the whole Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, and He will never break one of them. Because faithfulness is an intimate part of His character, He remains faithful even when we're not. And so let's look at some verses. Let's look at Genesis. So if you're new to the Bible, Genesis is the very first book of your Bible. Let's look at a few of those promises that I picked for this morning. And I encourage you maybe this week to look up the promises of God, some promises of God. Whatever you're going through, whatever it might be, whether it's times of joy or times of sorrow, the Word of God has promises for both, for all occasions. Check out the promises of God. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, which was later named Abraham, same person, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. 
Now, you might want to highlight your Bible as well. I encourage you to highlight your Bible. I will make you a great nation. That's a promise. It wasn't based on Abraham and his faith or lack thereof. It was based on God. And to this day, Israel is a nation, not because they love and seek God. Unfortunately, there's a high percentage of people that live in Israel that don't even believe there is a God. And if your relatives went through a Holocaust as horrific as their family members went through, um, you might have that same mentality, unfortunately. So we need to pray for everyone, right? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will, notice this, the opposite. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, there's the promise, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, Jew and Gentile. There's only, in the Jewish mindset, even to this day, Orthodox Jews, there's only two groups of people on the face of the earth. You either have Jewish blood in you, which makes you a Jew, or you don't have Jewish blood in you, which makes you a Gentile. So as you read your Bible, you want to know that, or, or what we commonly said in the, in the New Testament, a Greek. You're either Jew or you're a Gentile, just two groups of people. So here the promise is, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless the whole world. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Could there be anything good in Deuteronomy? Start reading it. Start reading it. I know sometimes the scripture is laborious. It's like, what is this all about? Just keep reading. Deuteronomy chapter 7, 6 through 8. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Yeah, I'd say Abraham, that was it. Abraham, Sarah, that's pretty little. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath or the promise which he swore to our fathers. So what oath did we read? I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth because of you, Abraham. That's a promise. That's an oath. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought us out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. How about Deuteronomy 30? Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. Verse 12. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Does this sound familiar? This is Paul in Romans. Verse 13, Deuteronomy 30, 13. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that we, that you, may do it. Now Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. It's still the same today, is it not? What are we hearing about? 
On one side, it's not about the economy. On one side, it's all about women's rights. Women's rights are being taken away. We believe that a woman should kill a child anytime she feels free. It's her choice. No one else has a say in that. Okay. Let's read it again. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. We have a choice, individuals. We all have a choice. Verse 16, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But, verse 17, if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. That's called a promise. It's a promise that no one likes to hear about or see fulfilled, but it is a promise. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. And unfortunately, they didn't. They were taken off the land. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. Not a political party. Not a, a, a social agenda. The Lord our God is our life. If he is not your life this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you, come forward and ask Jesus to be your Savior this morning. Because if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you think you're good enough to get to heaven, the Bible says no one's good, no, not one, you will go to hell. God sends nobody there. You're just saying, I don't need Jesus. I don't need your Bible. Get out of my face. Okay. I'm letting you know God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. What you do with that is between you and God. Don't, don't push it away. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. To who? To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Notice the promise. How about Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8? Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. Notice the oath. God swore to give him. You're taking them in there, Joshua. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. Here it is, 3,700 years later. It's the exact same thing. God is with us, guys. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And whatever comes our way over the next six months, year, until the day we die, God is with us. God is with us. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Here's some more promises, just very quick, because we have to go through these. James 1 5. How about this? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and you, it will be given to you. How about Luke 13, 11 13? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Guys, that's a promise. You're having problems in your life today? Ask for more of the Holy Spirit. That's a guaranteed answer. It's a promise. 
Oh, I need a, I'm, I'm just going to ask for a faster car. That might not be the answer. God might say, nope, you got the same old junky one. Keep pushing it. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a sweet promise? Are you frustrated over your 401k? Not much you can do about it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. doesn't get any better than that. No stack of money is going to give you rest to your souls. How about John 16? However, Jesus again speaking, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Notice, that's a promise right there. If you're wondering, who should I vote for? I really don't know. With what little I've mentioned to you this morning, I think it should make it clear, but you can ask other issues as well. Racism? Are we supposed to hate each other? Who's promoting hate? Check it out. For God so loved the world. No, we're to love each other. But there's an agenda out there. Males against females, females against males. There's an agenda. The state-run media is coming after your soul. You have to be wise enough to be in the word of God. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And Ephesians 1.13, this is a tremendous blessing. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come in you, and he's going to come upon you. You're sealed. You cannot lose your salvation. I won't argue with you otherwise. If you're living like the devil, maybe you were never saved. But if you have Jesus as your Savior, there's going to be conviction. There's going to be sorrow of heart. You're going to be grieved, and you know that. You can try to mask it and run from it, but you know it. That verifies that you're saved. Just repent and give up already. Make it easy on yourself and everybody around you. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And by now you might be going, wow, why does this guy reference so many scriptures? Because I don't know a whole lot. Stay in your Bible. Stay in your Bible. 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and, all, and the works that are in it will be burned up. 2 Peter 3.11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. Is that a promise? That's a promise. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? You see, guys, this is our calling as believers. We shouldn't be surprised by the world wanting to kill babies up until the day they're born and even after. It's shocking, but it shouldn't surprise us. They don't know Jesus. They don't know God. If they proclaim to know God, but yet they promote that type of mentality, they don't know God. They do not know God. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. That's obvious of, from the pit of hell. So, verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise... Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
And if you're doing the Calvary reading, not that you have to do the Calvary reading, I'm just using that as an example. Um, you actually read about that today, this morning. In my devotion, I read about it. You can read about it. You can also read about it in Revelation. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So since we have all of these various heavenly promises, and that's only a few, guys, again, there's thousands of them, thousands of them. We don't have to be pressured to go along with the temporal enticements that this world has to offer. You see, the world might say, it's not going to hurt you or anybody else. You'll have fun. The world might say, it's only one night. Relax, go ahead and enjoy yourself. But as far as Christians are concerned, we are called to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, beloved, we are sons and daughters of God. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Not capital S, Holy Spirit but that evil spirit that dwells within us, even as the Bible says about me, my heart, and yours, it's desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. And when something happens that you really don't like, you're going to see your heart. Don't act on it, but you're going to hear thoughts and you're going to have emotions that you go, how can I think this way? I'm a Christian. I've been in the Lord for 40 years. How can I think this way? It's just showing you the spirit that's within you that's being controlled via the Holy Spirit, perfecting holiness in the reverence of God. So again, notice the action when people say, well, the Bible's not relevant. How could that not be relevant? That's action. So the question isn't what God is doing. God's doing a whole bunch. God's doing a whole bunch. Even after storms, people are getting saved in Florida because everything that they hoped and trusted in, for many of them, It's absolutely, totally gone. Gone. Probably never, ever be restored the way it was. They're coming to realize, what's what's it worth? What's it worth? I need Jesus. You see, he will not force us to change. There's an inward commitment that needs to take place in all of our lives as an unbeliever, as well as a believer. Do I want to be more like Jesus? Even as we sing songs, do I want to be more like Jesus? Or am I just singing? Or am I checking my emails while the songs are going on? Where's my head at? What's going on in my heart, my soul? Am I engaged? He will not force us to surrender. See, Jesus is knocking at the door. He's not kicking in the door. In becoming more like Jesus, I need to voluntarily surrender by committing my life to God each and every day throughout the day. (laughs) Sometimes it's moment by moment. Stinking flesh, stinking spirit. Because my flesh has certain cravings and my personality has certain quirks, but that doesn't negate the promises of God. You see, the promises of God are always there and they're available to every believer. What? The believer just needs to submit and respond to what God has already promised. Perfecting. Perfecting means to fulfill further or completely. Notice that word perfecting there? So it's not saying you're going to be perfect. You're never ever going to sin. That's impossible. That's impossible. When you take your last breath, we'll all celebrate. They're not a sinner anymore. Praise God. Until then, no, no. So again, perfecting means to fulfill further or completely. 
don't give up on your walk. Whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years in the Lord, do not stop. You see, if we continue to confess the same sin over and over, then we're probably not being serious enough with that sin to cleanse ourselves of that sin. God's promises are there. It comes back to me. It comes back to me. What am I doing via the Holy Spirit? We probably haven't truly surrendered that area totally to the Lord. Let's look at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We're hanging on to something or we're allowing the enemy to hang around, which will never be beneficial. So Romans 13, 10 through 14. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So a neighbor, when you look up the word neighbor, a neighbor is the closest person to you at any given time. So when you're on the freeway and you're going 75, stay in the flow of traffic, breaking the law because it's 65, but you're keeping with the flow of traffic. And somebody cuts you off, they were near. That's your neighbor. Don't cuss them out. Pray for them. God help him. It's going to hurt somebody. And keep me focused, Lord, so I'm not an idiot like he is. Yeah, some, some type of prayer. Verse 11. And this, do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than we, when we first believed. Think about that, guys. I received Christ in 1978. Am I a little closer to dying now? Well, obviously, 44 years. How about you? You're closer. The night is far spent. Thank God. The day is at hand. Is at hand. Going to heaven. Super close. Therefore, let us cast off. Notice the action here. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Those two words there, put on, they mean to sink into, clothe oneself with. To sink into, to clothe oneself with. We are consumed with outward appearance, all of us. We're consumed with that in America. And we forget about what's the most most important part, the inward, the soul. But we'll get consumed. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on, notice the action here for you and I this morning with the exhortation, stay there, but I'm going to read first Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, perfecting holiness to fulfill further or completely. So verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. You see, if we wrap ourselves up in the ways of the Lord, and how do we do that? By being in the Word of God, first and foremost. Every single day, devotion time. Young people, wrap yourself in the Word of God. Every single day, all of us as saints, we should be wrapping ourselves up in the Word of God every single day. Praying, having that time of prayer. You're wrapping yourself up with prayer. And then throughout the day, I think there's a verse that says, pray always. Now, obviously, when you're doing your job, when I was doing my job, when I'm doing certain things, I'm not praying, I'm focusing so that I don't cut my hand off with a chainsaw. That's just saying in the downtime, when your brain is just maybe going somewhere where it shouldn't go, pray. Pray, and you'll get away from that which your flesh wants to fulfill. Pray, pray. 
um, fellowship, being in church, coming out to extra activities that we have. That way you're around like-minded believers. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out. That word work out there, those two words, they mean fashion, fashion. Allow the Holy Spirit to mold you and shape you into the image of Christ. Fashion, your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works that, word, that works there, to be active, efficient in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. As we surrender, which we often sing songs about surrender, as we surrender, then God can do a work. If we don't surrender, God's saying, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. Whenever you're ready, I'm right here. Do it your way. I'm right here. And that's when we often go, wow, why didn't I listen? Back in 2 Corinthians 7, Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, verse 3, for I have said before that you are in our hearts. I actually have this highlighted. You see, this is the church right here, guys. Paul is a representative of Christ, but he's a member of the church. And as members of the church, all of us individually, Paul says, I have said before that you are in our hearts. So not just Paul, but those who are ministering with him, to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. How many of us would like to say that? Last part of that verse right there. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. We have wronged. We have wronged. So those, those words there mean to be unjust. You see, Paul and his companions didn't wrong anyone, but rather exposed the sin that was within the church body. You can check that out in 1 Corinthians. We have corrupted, it means to spoil or to ruin. You see, they didn't try to corrupt anyone through vain philosophy, which was the role of that day. What's the vain philosophy of today? Do drugs. Let's legalize marijuana nationally. That will help everybody if we just legalize marijuana nationally. No, no, let's give them clean needles. That will solve the problem if we just give everybody clean needles. At least they'll die with a clean needle. This is our society? Really? This is what we're promoting? No wonder we're where we're at. No, there needs to be repentance. There needs to be repentance. He, we have cheated, it means to be covetous. Paul worked with his own hands and proved beyond any doubt that he was not after their money or belongings. Matter of fact, Paul was willing to lay down his life for his spiritual children. Let's look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Who are we following? Always follow Jesus. If you see someone else doing something and it's good, good Christianity, then obviously emulate that as well. But always, always, always make sure that you're following Jesus. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, John 10, 12. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. 
As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. And this is not Mormonism. The Mormons will use this verse to say, see, this is the Mormons. Two groups of people, Jew, Gentile. Which group are you in? You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. The word of God came to the Jews. They were keepers of the word, not to keep it away from people, but to keep it and give it to people. Unfortunately, religion taints that and we try to hide God. No, no, no. God's supposed to be out there. So they came to the Jews, gave them the oracles of God, and then they were to maintain those to what we have today, praise God. But it's for Jew or Gentile. So the Gentiles are the other fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's what we have today. You have Gentiles that are going to hell. You have Jews that are going to hell. You have Jews and Gentiles that make up the church that are going to heaven. Three groups of people. It's that simple. You see, Paul's example of leadership was not what the sheep could do for him, but what he could do for the sheep. Is that the modern-day church? Or is the modern-day church like, well, I'm here, what are you going to do for me? I'm here, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to tickle my ears? What are you going to do for me? No. And he got that example, by the way, from the one who is the ultimate example of all humanity, Jesus the Christ. Look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And again, these verses are for you and I, guys. You and I. Mark chapter 10. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Hey, we're going to be great. Can we sit on your right hand and on your left hand when you come into your kingdom? They were thinking Rome, Rome, Rome. They weren't thinking of heaven. They didn't get it yet. I don't blame them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. Mark 10, 41. And when the ten, so the other guys, they wanted to be on the right and left. (laughs) But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, now he's talking to the church, the future church. Even Judas is here listening. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. I can just imagine Jesus with compassion in his voice, looking into their eyes, Guys, it's not about my right and left hand. You're missing it. And they were, they were arguing about this on the night before the crucifixion. They were still in the upper room arguing about this. Do we see this happening today? Unfortunately, yes. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Oh, that's only for the pastorate. I I don't see that there. I I don't see that anywhere in those verses. That's only for the deacons. That's only for the elders. I don't don't see that anywhere in those verses. Matter of fact, your name's there. That applies to you. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's talking to you. You're talking to me, he's talking to you. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The King of kings and Lord of lords washed 24 stinking feet before he was crucified. He gave them an example. Not the foot washing. Don't get hung up on that. 
but the example of the lowest, that was the job of the lowest servant in the household. He said, I'm taking on the responsibility of the lowest servant to teach you a lesson. No one is to elevate their authority over anyone. You serve together. You serve alongside one another. Back in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boldness on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, so physical bodies, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Notice this, Paul's writing via the Holy Spirit. Paul is sharing his own heart that we can all go through these trials and tribulations and have these emotions. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Do you remember how we started off 2 Corinthians chapter 1? Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, Paul writes, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort with we ourselves have received from God. You see, Paul had grown to take joy in the various trials and tribulations that came his way. Why? Because he came. He had come to know that God works all things together for the good. That would be a really good verse, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a really good verse? See, Paul knew that verse before the Holy Spirit inspired him to write that verse. It was real in his life. Why? Because he went through trials and tribulations. Is God still good in 2022? Is God still going to be good in 2023? Is God good? He's good. He's good. When things crumble around us, he's still good. As the music team comes up, you see Paul had sent Titus to Corinth, as we read these verses, to see how his letter was received. 1 Corinthians. He was going to meet Titus in Troas, but Titus didn't show up, so Paul journeyed, continued his land journey towards Corinth. This led him through the area of Macedonia where Titus found Paul and brought him word that his letter was well-received, well-received. And the things that he shared with the Corinthians were implemented. This gave Paul great joy and made all the trials, listen, this made all the trials and tribulations worth it. It made everything he did worth it. And in verse 6, Paul makes mention again of the fact that it is God who comforts. And this time God used the report from Titus to comfort Paul. So God can use other people to help comfort us as well as the word of God. After months of wondering how the Corinthians were going to receive his letter, Titus brought Paul word that they had received the letter with tremendous love, which we'll get to in the next verses next week. But as we wrap up this morning, Titus lets Paul know that the Corinthians were affirming their love for Paul and what a blessing this was for him. It's okay to let others know you love people, that you love them. Um, I know for me, when I was raised, I was raised in a family that didn't express that. My parents were married for 60, 71 years. My parents were married for 71 years before mom died. I never, never, Heard them say, I love you to each other. They might have said, love you to us kids towards the end of their lives. I never, ever, before my mom passed and my dad passed, I never had them look in my eyes and say, I love you. Never. 
That's okay. I don't blame them. They were of that generation. You don't express emotions. I just want to encourage you. It's okay to say I love you to somebody. It's okay to say it. If you're not used to saying it, start getting used to saying it. Now in text and emails, I say it to my family members. They don't say it back. That's okay. I've been saying it for decades. Love you. Love you guys. It doesn't come back. That's okay. They don't know Christ. I can't blame them. Once you come to know Christ, you learn how to express love. So express it to one another in the body of Christ, guys. The world doesn't love you. They'll chew you up and spit you out. Even though Paul and his companions were being pressed from without, even though there were times of insecurity, God comforted them through the report of Titus, and it caused Paul to rejoice even more. Guys, the pressing that's going to be coming upon us more and more and more should cause us to rejoice that we're found faithful to go through what God would have us to go through. For what? For his praise, glory, and honor. Father, we thank you and praise you for the days we're living in. These are very exciting days. The world is pressing in from so many directions. Death and destruction is taking place on so many fronts. It's amazing what's taking place and oftentimes we want to bury our heads and pretend it's not happening. But souls are dying. And so Father, I thank you uh, that you've blessed us as a flock and that you give us so much money that we can give to so many missionaries who are out on the front lines in America as well as around the world. And Lord, we just want to continue to do that, so give us wisdom and discernment with the funds that we'd even bring on more missionaries for your glory, Father. The days are so short. Time is running out. Your son is coming back for his bride, the church. So Lord, help us to take the exhortation that we've even heard this morning. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirits, perfecting holiness in the fear and the reverence of God. Father, that can only take place through the inspiration, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. So fill us afresh, Father, with your Holy Spirit, that you will be glorified in and through our lives this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.